Welcome back. Oh, guys, welcome back. To the Second Shift Podcast. Where the end of your day is the start of ours. Yes, sir. We're clocking in. We're rearing yeah, to go. Man. We've got our lunches packed. Oh, Every eight-hour you... shift, you're entitled to a 30-minute lunch break. What do you usually pack for lunch right now? You know, I'm like a chicken salad kind of guy. You know, like I'll, I'll make okay. like a bunch of chicken for the week, and I'll mm-hmm. just have romaine lettuce, and I'll just rip rip three heads off. And uh, sometimes it's Italian dressing, sometimes it's Caesar. But recently, okay. um, I've gotten kind of lazy, and so what I'll do when I, if I go into the office, they have um, the cafeteria open from seven to like nine thirty. Mm-hmm. If you get there at like nine, you can get have them make a breakfast sandwich. Oh, and they, it's like a two dollar breakfast sandwich, with, which is pretty good. That's and, not bad. Uh, then I'm like, I'm almost full. Um, and then one o'clock comes around, I'll have like a granola bar, and then I'll be, I'll be fine. Like I won't need like go. too much else, and then I'll have a bigger dinner. Kind of works out mm-hmm. well. But what about you? Yeah, I, I've been on my broke boy grind. I get that Oscar Mayer bologna that's three fifty for a pound. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So bologna sandwiches. Bologna and cheese, or? Oh yeah. Yeah. L- little bit of mayo, stay right. with the stereotype. All right, very nice. And Bob's your uncle. So today's today's episode, we uh, we had three opportunities to make to make it uh, um, stick at a, at a good date. One, we could have done it on my birthday, which was this past Saturday. Mm. Two, we could have done it for the ninth episode, and thus it would have been the nine 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 ninth episode mm. of our. Uh, of our library and three tomorrow's 420 mm-hmm. so uh, yes it is we are right snug in the middle of all these events and uh well I'm, I'm, I, it feels good it's comfortable it's a comfortable little snug spot so. mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man so i gotta go to a weed farm tomorrow uh-huh and i can't get anything <sighs> not until thursday right yep that that's what sucks about the state like Tomorrow's four twenty. Wednesday is four twenty, but legal sales start four twenty one. That's come on, devious. Devious. That they just want to watch the state burn, I guess. But why but wouldn't hey. why wouldn't they want to get their first like, you know, if you were to open like a candy shop, I would open prior to Easter or prior to Halloween. Mm-hmm. If you were to open a meat shop, you would be prior to Christmas or prior to, you know, barbecuing for Thanksgiving. The why would you not start out with a bang and you already know like you can that's going to be the easiest forecast in the world. We're going to mm-hmm. stock up on everything we have and whatever we have left that is where we start from essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to show figures to even think about this too. You could have bonuses for employees based off of like their first day's work. You know what I mean? Like you oh, don't yeah. know you don't know how these people are going to work. You don't know how it's going to go. So, you know, start it off on a day where everybody's kind of on the same page and just kind of offer like a bonus based off of how they do on that day. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it's never going to be as busy as that, most likely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. A lot of missed opportunities I, there. I, I feel like, especially with a market like this, people just, they, they want it. Right. It's like, even it's if you do demand in Northeast, for sure. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't consume... It's still the allure. Oh, I can go to a store and just buy an edible? Right. Right. 
Yeah. We live in a great time. That's yeah, that's that's called bureaucratic bullshit right there. Yeah, but hey, at least it's getting legal. The New York should be uh coming up soon, so Yes sir. Soon, soon, soon. Speaking yeah, of man. speaking of bureaucratic bullshit, how about that Hitler guy? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a I douche. Mean, he he wasn't too great for PR. No. But he himself had good PR. Well, yeah, Joseph Goebbels. Mm-hmm. Gobbles. Gobbled these nuts. And uh, so that brings us into our topic for this week. Uh, yeah. The, the world-renowned Inglorious Past Turds, T-E-R-D, not T. Uh, not to be confused A-R-D. with the 1977 movie, The Inglorious Bastards. Right. Um, I also wondered why, you know, T-E-R-D, you could see as being a, like a poop turd if you mm-hmm. wanted to, but you know, I think most people would consider it to be T-U-R-D for the poop turd. Um, so I thought maybe they were trying to do that, but you know, it's just not to do, like if you were, if you were to look it up on IMDb, you wouldn't want the 1977 version coming up first. You mm-hmm. would want... Quentin Tarantino's one because that one little letter difference. So Well, he, he literally has a quote about it. Here's the thing. I'm never going to explain that. You do an artistic flourish like that, and to explain it, it would just take the piss out of it and invalidate the whole stroke in the first place. Right. Yeah, that's that's literally him right there. That's mm-hmm. a great sentence. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. I mean, that Definitely the differentiation. Oh yeah, and and it's also kind of an allegory for how the film really is and what it's supposed to portray. It's an alternate mm-hmm. history. It's a what they call a revenge a revenge flick, as he did with Django Unchained, where you know you can show someone that's been through turmoil and adversity and slavery come back and and murder and kill and get revenge. Same on mm-hmm. this on this end. The Inglorious Bastards are um, based off of a real group, right? Based mm-hmm. on a real American uh, group of Jewish soldiers. Um, well, it wasn't just but, American. It was like Allied total. Right, right. There was a British one too. That was I think it was called X yeah. X Force or X. Uh, I forget, but um, some superhero name. Yeah, yeah. And this and this was, you know, on the same level of revenge, alternate history, where, you know, the Jew, the the Jewish group of guys that just wanted to go out and kill and. Uh, make a name for themselves, had every right to, and they were given an outfit. And um, who better to lead them but an A-list actor like Brad Pitt? So, um, that, that's, that's why this, this cast so is well. phenomenal. Oh yeah, absolutely. I also love that it, Diane Kruger is like is German. You know, it mm-hmm. just makes it so much, so much more authentic. There was a thing that I saw during her audition. She um she apparently played such like a good American accent. That Quentin Tarantino was like, uh, I don't know if you'll be able to do the part because it's very German based, and I don't know if you have the German in you. And she's like, "Sight, bitch, I am German." Yeah, that's awesome. She comes out and just starts just rattling off German. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's um, like, another thing with the casting. Um, uh, the Bear Jew Donnie. Yep. Do you know who he was originally supposed to be played by? Oh wait, I know this. I know this. Uh. Yeah, woo. No, who is it? So hot. Want to touch the hiney. Oh. Adam Sandler. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, Could you imagine him being the bear Jew? Oh my god. Donnie fucking Donowitz. Teddy fucking Williams. Fenway Park. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, it, yeah, it would literally be all Yankees references. Oh, it's Joe DiMaggio. That's so funny. Another great cast. I mean, probably one of the best casting you'll ever see. Christoph Waltz, an Austrian-German uh, individual himself. That man speaks. I, I think it was uh, English, French, German, a little bit of Italian, and a little bit of Hebrew. Just in the movie. Dude, I know. And and with great accents and fluency and the, mm-hmm. the facial expressions, he has his character is is so charming. Like mm-hmm. if he if he wasn't in that uniform, he would be like a great. Um, obviously, he's a great detective. But if you were to meet him as an American, not in that uniform, you'd be like, "Damn, dude, I want to tell this guy everything." Right. Well, all right, kind of going off that detective little tidbit. You know the uh, the big ass pipe he smokes. Yep. You know who also smokes that pipe. No. Sherlock Holmes. Oh, the same one? Like the same yep. style? Or? Same exact pipe. No shit. I always yep. thought that, that that pipe was like really gratuitous and like really mm-hmm. in your face. Um, you know, he, he, just... he, he loved his job. Like he loved that he was great at his job, but he also wanted yep. to be as intimidating as possible for like a kind of a smaller figure. So that's just, well, I always felt that that was like in your face. So time. originally he was supposed to be, or well, the actor was supposed to be uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could have done well, but uh, Christopher Waltz deserved the because he got an Oscar for it, right? Yeah, yeah, best supporting role. Like his his role is just impeccable, and I feel like Leonardo, he fit well in that Django role. Yeah, yep, yeah, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. So let's stay on that. Let's stay on the old uh, casting here because I I I love Michael Fassbender, and mm-hmm. he when, when he switches back from. You know, when he make, makes the mistake in German back to English. It's oh, so yeah. it's such an elegant like you know, he's sitting there with his with his scotch and his cigarette. Oh, it's it just this is gonna be an old boy. I hope you don't mind I go out speaking the kings. And uh Of course, Major. Yeah, of course, Major. it's funny how he kept calling he it was Captain. He kept calling him Captain after after mm-hmm. he realized he wasn't who he was. Um also Daniel Bruhl, who uh plays Zemo and all the um, oh, movies. yep. I mean, another German guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's fucking awesome. So I, so met like the time where you see him and he's like, oh, I'm just this like wide eyed actor. Then you realize he's a war hero for killing a lot of a lot of dudes in uh, Italy. And then you know you see how his he continues to push. You know he doesn't ask her to come to lunch. He sends a German mm-hmm. officer to pick her up. And then finally, where she thinks that she still has a little power over him by saying, no, you can't come into the projection room, he just barges through. He's like, you can't say no to a guy like me. That, mm-hmm. that kind of personality mixed with, uh, with Nazi... Um, Toxic masculinity. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's almost like he's like a... If, if he was given the chance, he, I think he would have been like on the... Like, probably like a sex offender list or like on on the rapist watch or something like oh 100 that's, that's his that's his mo like i'm the big oh, shot you need to respect I, I, me. i'm a big shot but i'm a good guy right why, why don't you like me i'm a good guy right. come on i get everything else why, why don't you want me i'm a good guy exactly why the fuck don't you want me yeah yeah exactly um another great casting bj novak 
You know, oh, the, the little man, Private Yudovich, uh, didn't have a big speaking role, but you know, just his kind of meek persona in the, in the end there just matched really well with Brad Pitt's performance, just showing that you know, um, uh, you know, this meek kind of kid, meek Jewish kid, you know, uh, kind of grew up into the ranks of his uh, of the Inglorious Bastards, and now he's taking scalps off of Nazis. It's just a great little casting i like that see my favorite thing is uh in the office ryan was like yeah i'm gonna go to thailand with some friends but no he was an undercover jew killing uh killing nazis <laughs> that that was his uh the excuse in the show for him taking the leave to mm-hmm. film the movie yeah we're going to thailand oh that, that happened like right around oh yeah that's true that, was that like yeah 0809 or yeah yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah great I feel like he was honestly a little bit underrated in it because he's one of those guys where you don't really need to speak. Right. It's just his, it's just his recognizable face and kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you don't realize that they call him the little man until the end, but that's Mm -hmm. a great nickname for him. He's in the off. He's one of the shorter guys. So, um, and the guy who played major Hellstrom, the guy that was in the bar and figured out that they were lying. Mm-hmm. Um, you see him actually. He was the officer in the beginning, right? Where he she, that he picked up Shoshana and put her in the car. Yeah. Uh, you could just tell right off the bat this guy can be a total dick. Get your mm-hmm. ass in the car, and then intrudes on their on their table and just really pushes and pushes and pushes. And like you said, that toxic masculinity and uh, aura and myth. Mythology about being superior and being a superior mm-hmm. race and being a man with blue eyes and uh, blonde hair and just understanding that you're kind of in in the control of a a nation that you're occupying. You could do anything yep. you want, and he he's a great personification of that. Well, I mean, you see it when like it's the um, especially the him thinking he's better when he's got the King Kong card on his head. Yep. When he's like, oh, am I the uh... Does the, the something about the African American community? It's like, no. Oh, then I must be King Kong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, you could tell that that guy's like, oh, all right, everyone's below me. Oh yeah. And he's it, got a big could... nose or darker skin? Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, he also had that one of those faces you just want to punch, just like yep. real, real squirmy. Like... No, he has one of those faces that you just want to shoot him right in the dick. <laughs> I have my Walther on your testicles. Well, I've had mine ever since you sat at the table, yeah? Um, oh, I know, he was British, never mind. Also, uh, Mike Myers as the British Colonel. Yep. Fantastic. Just, you know, five-minute roll. Mm-hmm. Um, That's all you need from him. Just does, like, an elegant version of Austin Powers. Like, you can... All I can, if, you told, if you close your eyes, you're, you're like, wow, Austin Powers has learned how to kind of, you know, keep his speech in line and keeps his dick in his pants. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when you keep your dick in your pants, Austin. You become a colonel in the, in the fucking British Army. Um, so I, I, I feel like my favorite minor role is um, Samuel L. Jackson's role in the movie. Yeah, the narrator. That's great. Just literally a narrator. Yeah. Quentin's got to get him in his movie somehow. But for two minutes, he got him. He got his title. It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, that whole, st- you know, one of the best parts of the movie are these cutaway scenes where, you know, they yep. go into Hugo Stiglitz's background 
they go into um what what was another one? Oh, um try to think. Fuck. Well, I mean, it, it, you can honestly talk about the movie that they even showed cuz it was literally a full directed 6-minute movie in the movie theater. Right. Yeah, you, you essentially it's yeah, you're right. That's a good like it'll cut away. Um I like the scene of the of Shoshana kind of it was like a montage to David Bowie getting everything ready. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. So that's that was another kind of cutaway thing where it, it just it's like a really good little montage. Mm-hmm. Um It's not he doesn't do as many of the the time differences, right? So like in Pulp Fiction, you start at the end or kind of in the middle end, go back uh, to the beginning, yeah. go to the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, similar to like what Christopher Nolan does in um, Dunkirk, uh, stuff like that. It's, it was pretty much consistent throughout the chapters. Um, but, uh, you know, he's he's done that in the past. and mm-hmm. he's very But I mean, like Tarantino, though, it still has that converging storyline. Yep. Yeah, you're right. The convergence is is all coming together at the theater, and uh, mm-hmm. let's let's break it down by chapter because I I really think that one of the biggest uh, selling points for Christoph Waltz to win that award was that opening scene where he comes oh, in. Yep. Can I have a glass of your delicious milk? You know. And now, see, my favorite thing. Oh, you know. My my French isn't that eloquent, so I'm I'm really gonna embarrass myself if I say the wrong word. Can we speak in a different language? But he says it the most beautiful French ever. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. He says it like with with words that you know probably the average Frenchman don't even know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All just so the people on the floorboards didn't know he was talking, or what what he could say. I have a feeling that Shoshana, right, because. She understood, and maybe it was just because she was living in um, uh, Nazi-occupied Paris uh, when she was running her um, uh, the theater. But I almost feel like she knew because she was the one that was able to sneak out or maybe get a head start. Um, you know what I mean? Because she was right next to them when they were oh, yeah. shot. I feel like she had she had to know something, right? Or maybe she was the only one. She, was like she probably knew age. who he was. That too, yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, he, he literally came in. He was like, do you know who I am? I've heard a great deal about you. Do you right. know who I am? Right. Exactly. So I was like, he's got a legend. So obviously all the Jews in hiding have to know who this man is, you know? Right. Right, yeah. But yeah, great like, Yeah, you're right. They scene. would recognize names, I think. Mm-hmm. If they heard the name, yeah. Um, Christoph Waltz won... Best Supporting Actor, um, so this is the 2010 Oscars. He beat Matt Damon in Invictus, Woody Harrelson, The Messenger, Christopher Plummer, The Last Station, Stanley Tucher, The Lovely Bones. Some really big names there, mm-hmm. but I think it was a no-brainer. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen Invictus, he- solid. Um, Lovely Bone, solid movie. But um, like you said, speaking four languages eloquently with accents. Mm-hmm. Um, being menacing but charming at the same time that that i feel like is the best part just that that creepy ass smile that he has like "Mm, nothing's gonna happen except i'm gonna have the entire floorboard shoot up and right the blood rush all out right um 
so another, I guess another thing that happens in in that scene is his discussion about the rat versus the. He said, "Well, if if I were to compare a a German soldier to a beast, it would be the eagle. If I were to compare a, a Jewish person to a beast, it would be that of a rat." And he was talking mm-hmm. to the guy, saying, "Oh, you don't know. Subconsciously, you would go after a rat. Why? Because." He was They're like, oh, easy prey. right, yeah. So, yeah, um, I thought that was a really good, really great dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way he drinks the milk, you know, it's not yeah, just a the sip, one, a sip the one and, slug down. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's disrespectful. It's like mm, to you, Femi, and your cow. Bravo. Yeah, I would I would rather him take a regular drink. Say, I really, you know, I love this. This is great. Rather than drink the whole thing, it's like, it just seems disrespectful, you know? Well, that, and it's just like, all right, let's get to the point. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love the meticulous nature of his opening of his little quill, like the, oh, pa- yep. the pen and paper. It's such a meticulous, mechanical uh, opening. The Lord Sunbridge. Yeah, I kind of wish we still had that these days where we could, that, we, that was like the, the norm for using pens. Mm-hmm. Um, Not just uncap the bick. Yeah. Um, also, the guy, the the guy who played the French dad, I thought that he did a great job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I smoke my pipe? By all means, it's your house. Make yourself at home. Um, and that's why I thought that that scene where he brings out his pipe, which is like ten times larger and more aggressive, mm-hmm. with like six different colors and. Um, it's just like a huge fuck you, I'm in charge moment. Mm-hmm. Um, just look, just one of those whip it out. Oh, hey, look what I got. Right. Uh, another thing that I really thought was great, and it, this is for the whole movie, but something that I noticed right off the bat, it's just the way that the crispness of the, of the film, mm-hmm. you know, I have to double check, but I don't think that he used digital film for it. Let's see. Uh, I could see that. Most likely probably use like some maybe 60 millimeter or 35 millimeter film or something like mm-hmm. that because it just looks so clean and crisp. And I, I think that's what he was trying to go for where. Yeah, you know, he wants that kind of old timey look, but still modern. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it got nominated for Best Picture. Best directing, best best writing, best cinematography, best film editing, best sound mixing. I mean, and, yeah, and best sound editing. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, what uh, what was it up against, like for best picture? Um, so he lost best directing to Catherine Bigelow. She, okay, she did the Hurt Locker. Uh, the, yeah, that was, was a great movie. This was a packed year. Avatar, James Cameron. Oh wow. Uh, up in the air. Um, Precious based on mm-hmm. the album Pushed by Sapphire so he lost to them but I think Catherine Bigelow probably probably should have won that that was a great movie mm-hmm. film editing Hurt Locker won that um, let's see best picture Hurt Locker won that too well yeah it's it's a Hurt Locker <laughs> yeah that, that was just such a solid movie. Yeah. It was up against also District 9 and The Blind Side, too. So 
add no, those in cool. there. Yeah. Blindside. Little Sandy Bullock. Yeah. So it lost to the Hurt Locker for sound mixing. It lost to uh, Precious for writing. Hurt Locker for original screenplay. Yeah. So Hurt Locker kind of stole the show that year. But if they weren't in the picture and it was just Avatar versus Inglorious Bastards, I think it would have been a half halfway between the two of them, basically. Definitely. Yeah, Avatar definitely had all the effects. But just as a well-written movie, Inglorious Bastards was way up there. Like honestly, though, the uh, Christopher Waltz's role was—I I feel like that just made the movie. Oh yeah, and and especially the um, the scene at the end with uh, him and Aldo. Yep. Just, I I know about your two guys that are sitting in there. All I have to do is make a phone call, but I don't have to make a phone call if I get a full pardon. Yeah, I do want to talk about that scene because I kind of want to—I <laughs> want to think about what it would have been like. You know, like alternate history wise, obviously they've done Man in the High Castle where mm-hmm. the Axis powers won and, you know, they brought essentially that fascist methodology to the United States. And, you know, I haven't seen the show, but that's I, I do believe that that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, what it would have looked like if he if if they called the called them and told them what was up, what would have happened. But, um, and then, uh, I, I really do, I love the scene with him and at the restaurant Mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, he's doing his normal investigation. He kind of, I think he kind of feels like something's up, but not really. I don't know how he would know that she was Shoshana or. Yeah. She was there that day. You know, uh, I kind of wish that Kristoff was there, um, at the theater to kind of figure out that it was her, per se. Oh uh, yeah. So maybe after she, after he gets Van Hammer's mark and stro- strangles her out, then mm-hmm. he does more investigation going up there and kind of like interrogates oh. her or something crazy. Okay. Something like that. Bef- before you go off of that, can I? I want to talk about Van Hammer's mark, that choking scene, real quick. Yes. Okay, so Quentin Tarantino was very afraid that it wouldn't look realistic. So it's his hands in the movie that's choking her, and she goes unconscious. Really? Oh, really? That yeah. It it was like, does that look good enough? Okay, cool. But like he literally choked her unconscious. So he wanted it to, because I actually was thinking that as I was watching it, like how did they film that without yeah. putting her life in danger? Yeah. Um. Waltz didn't want to like strangle her that hard, so Quentin's like, all right, move over. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but yeah, back to what you were saying. So, I think, I think Landa would have his his arc would have come come full circle if he realized that he messed up by not getting Shoshana, and that Shoshana like if he was this would be different though if he was like a loyalist to mm-hmm. to Hitler. But he, at the end of the day, you could see, obviously, he was more about, and he was more of an opportunist and understood mm-hmm. that if he was to do this, he would actually get a better deal than, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So, plus, you just at, wanted at to the be time, on the winning side. Yeah, at the time, you actually can see, you actually hear uh, Hitler talk about the Americans on the beach. This is mm-hmm. actually, this has to be after June 1944, which was D-Day, so 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure Lando was thinking, oh, wow, they got past that. They got past that blockade in Normandy. Then that means that they're making a good run for it. Maybe mm-hmm. this is my opportunity to get out while, you know, sell high where, where I can get out and get yeah. a house in Nantucket. So, but back to my point is if he was a, a loyalist, right? He, he chokes out Hammer's Mark and then says, there's got to be a larger ploy here, you know, takes out the two Italian dudes and then Brad Pitt. And then he says, I feel like there's something more. And he goes up and finds the, you know, figures out, investigates and interrogates Shoshana and, or something like that. But she still gets it off. She still is able to do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of having uh, Frederick be the one that kills her, it should be Landa, she shoots him, he shoots her, same thing. But, you know, he realizes at the end of the day, and he's, he's like awake for the killing and murder and burning of all of his comrades, in a way. So he mm-hmm. has like a realization that it was him that kind of messed it up. Because um, the whole point of his character is his ego. He's such yep. a, he's so confident in his ways as a detective, that mm-hmm. he doesn't really care, per se, that what he's doing is is contributing to the assassination and genocide of six million jews mm-hmm. he just cares that he's doing his job well yeah so it would really it would crush his ego to realize oh the one jewish girl that i let go is the one that's going to topple the entire third reich mm-hmm. so that's just what that's an alternate way of what i would have done for him see i feel like that at least some type of like poetic justice would have been so let's say he does call him yep be like hey they're going to try and blow this shit up. They get the four out. That happens. I mean, you, you figured that would happen. But at least with uh, him, he would stay there, interrogate the Jews that were in the uh, Inglorious Bastards. And Shoshana just throws like a bottle of milk at him. Mm-hmm. And then he just oh. realizes, fuck. And then and everything just burnt down. Oh, wait. So she had a bottle of milk. Yeah. Like up, she, up she in was the ready. Project, in the projectionist room, or. Well, w- wasn't she behind the screen when the fire started? No, she was up on top because she was running the projection. Right, the fire Wait, started, I... um, and her, her friend um, Marcel was a guy that blew it all up with the. Cigarette. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, because it was all the uh, the old film behind the screen. Right. Right. Or maybe what you could do is, you know, Landa's the only one that's not in the premiere. And after he takes care of Aldo, he comes back mm-hmm. to warn everybody and arrest the dudes. But he can't get in because they lock the doors. And he turns around to see a girl with a milk bottle or something like there that. There you go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she says, on the face of the, of the Jew that's going to kill all of them or whatever, by the way... Would you like some milk? <laughs> no. All, all it is is just got milk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Au revoir. Shoshana. Yeah, that's so funny. Everything blows up. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. That'd be a great alternate. But it would all be it would all be resting on his different personality, essentially. Mm-hmm. He would have to be a Nazi apologist to be on that on that train rather than you know an opportunist per se so mm-hmm. um that's like his silver lining that's like his 
in the whole movie, like, you know, he's the Jew hunter, he's despicable, he doesn't care about, you know, the genocide, he just cares about doing his job, he's a piece of shit. Um, fuck, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, he's good at his job, but he is that piece of shit, but he's also controlling. He, he wants to be deceptive. He wants to prove that he's smarter than you. He just wants to prove that he, not not even like the whole German race, just he is better than you. Right. Cause that's oh, that I was whole... going to say he, it was his redemption. It's his redemption arc that he realizes that, you know... He has a better he has a better out than anybody else. He would he could survive. Mm-hmm. He could be taken care of by the U.S. Army. He's done his job. Um, yeah, his thing like is, he he's just selfish. Right. He's like, yo, I'll throw all these people under the bus, if I'm okay. Right. Exactly. And like that, I, I feel like that's just how he always was. Just me, me, me. Not for us or the greater good. It's just me, me, me. I want the power. I want the control. I want to show that I have the biggest peen peen. I also think it would, yeah. I also think that it would be an interesting allegory or metaphor for him to be the rat, right? So he's, if you think about him as like a mob guy, and they and then the police get to him and they say, if you rat out twenty members of the family, we'll let you walk, but everybody else gets taken in, right? So mm-hmm. if he becomes the rat, he gets off scot free, and. Um, obviously, in the eyes of his comrades, in the eyes of anybody that would be, that ha- that considers him to be loyal at all, it knows that, knows that he's a rat and he's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because in the beginning of the movie, he discusses comparing Jewish people to rats. Yeah, and so it's almost like it's a full circle for him, where he turned into the rat and um, but- understood their survivability as being a rat, and you know. That might be the better way to go. See, the survivability is key. His thing is, he he just wants to prefer, preserve his self image to be like, oh, I was working with the Americans the entire time. I was right. a double agent. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that was a that was a good call because I I, I forgot that he had said that. I, I was working for the German the entire. I was working undercover with the American, and I won mm-hmm. the Congressional Medal of Honor and as it being a part of yep. Operation Kino. And, uh, yeah, you're right. That recognition, that survivability, doing whatever he can to mm-hmm. crawl out of there alive and with, with his, with everything intact. Um, I have another thought about Shoshana okay. because, you know, the, she's the hero, right? At the end of the day, she is, her family was murdered literally right next to her mm-hmm. by a Jew hunter and he represents essentially all that is bad with the world. He's he represents Hitler's need to rally up all of the Jewish people in Europe, um, and so obviously that's that's the worst. That's horrible. That's the worst mm-hmm. you can ever be. Um, but I was thinking as I was watching, it, I was like, is is what she's doing justified? Like everything that she's done, does she think after she? Does she think, after she thinks that she killed Frederick, that she's going above and beyond, or she's going too far, or that she's made a mistake? You know, because she looks at him on the ground, kind of just thinks like, "Oh, maybe I should have done that." She walks over to him and touches him. That's when he kills her. Um, well, so I'm trying to think I, of I, it. If from her eyes, maybe she 
regretted it a little bit. Being, so being prone to violence instead of doing it some other way. I don't. I don't know. I I don't think she regretted it. I just feel like because she actually had to do it manually rather than her just tell someone to flick their cigarette on a big pile of film. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more direct. Yeah. Plus, this is one singular man versus uh, the entire like German upper party parliament, whatever they were considered. Mm-hmm. So it was like all the top guys, something, an act that can end the war versus just, oh, one person murdering another. Right. Right. So it, if she didn't have to kill him with her own hands, I feel like she would have had less remorse. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's more the guilt that she had to kill like him uh, rather than tell someone, oh, hey, do the deed and her plan works. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I wonder if... Uh, I mean, it, it's cool to see such a badass, like, female character. But mm-hmm. I, I wonder, just thinking back, like, what she could have done, um, like, working diplomatically or working bureaucratically. But then again, at, at the same time, being, like, a French person at that time, you're living in, in Nazi-occupied France. So it's not, yeah. it's not like they're... That your opinion doesn't matter, right? It's not gonna go very far. So I think, yeah, looking back on it, I think that was her best bet. Utilize, utilize her has. looks, good charm, and that she attracted this young guy, that was actually the star of the movie, to be able to convince to, them, to convince her. I mean, he she didn't do anything. All she well, said was, "We have three hundred fifty seats. We have, we have two yep. balconies," and they were like, "Oh, that's half the size of the Ritz." Um. And uh, she didn't really do anything, which is funny mm-hmm. because they were gonna, I think they were going to do it either way. They were going to do what Frederick wanted. They were going to do what, what Goebbels wanted. And they wanted yeah, to he, make it he just exclusive. wanted to sleep with her, so that's why right. she got it. Exactly. That's funny. The moral of the story, never go with your little head. Yeah. <laughs> um, the scene... Um, the scene, okay, so the scene where they're out, they're outside and they're talking to the, the German colonel, mm-hmm. um, and Donnie Donowitz comes out, uh, his little with the baseball bat, with the baseball bat, man, yep. that's a great scene. I'm surprised he didn't come out with like, just snapping, you know, leather, yeah, I'm honestly surprised he wasn't wearing a leather jacket more yeah. often. <laughs> yeah, like a little, like a 50s doo-wop group or something that comes out and well, no, uh, 40s doo-wop group. Oh, you're right, you're right. Well, he was ahead of his time, you know. Fucking greaser, <laughs> man. Um, the music. I have to... Hats off to the music because they're not... This movie's not really known, per se, for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got a couple of... You know, that David Bowie song. I think it's called Cat People. Um, but it doesn't... The movie itself, and I'll have to double check, but I don't think that they have, they didn't have like a composer. They just yeah, had, they just had like, kind of like older music kind of going in the way, in a way. So well, honestly, though, any Tarantino movie, right? You you know the soundtrack is going to be pretty solid. Yeah, a lot of a lot of just like record drops and, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff, but. Ooh, excuse me. 
um, Donnie's coming out, and it's it's almost like a Wild West theme. Where I was thinking just, like a WWE entrance. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of mystical but triumphant and oh definitely mystical because oh the legendary bear jew Mm -hmm. and then it's just this dude from staten island Mm -hmm. yeah teddy fucking williams um when when he actually makes contact i mean this is why they get nominated for sound editing and sound mixing like Mm -hmm. deep clud like hit him hard in the head and then you could see him the scene after just like crushing his skull in and um so an interesting thing about uh the filming of that scene you know how they're doing all the scalping too yeah so it was like they were practicing on how to scalp the nazis Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a little competition the three best scalped nazis those actors got like close-ups oh cool that's cool wasn't so like, uh, wasn't Tarantino the first one to get scalped? I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, leave it to Quentin to just be like, all right, here's a competition. Scal- whoever scalps the Nazi the best, they get the most screen time. Go! Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you prepare for that? Right. I think it's, but I, at the end of the day, I think it's such a genuinely like authentic movie that Quentin Tarantino wanted to wanted to keep it Period relevant, but also also geographically relevant, right? So, um, you know, we don't even hear English really until Aldo Rain. Well, hear a little bit of only it. only thirty percent of the movie is spoken in English, right? So I, I was I'm thinking, you know, nationally, geographically, you know, time time wise, uh, based off of what what was going on at the time. I think it's just really nice to have an, a Hollywood movie be spoken in such different languages. You know what I mean? Yep. That you know he had the the world renowned as being Quentin Tarantino already, but mm-hmm. to be able to make a movie as you know made three hundred twenty million dollars, be in a different language, you know it's pretty great, and it mm-hmm. also sets a good path for a lot of these foreign movies to get nominated for stuff like when Parasite got won the Oscar. That's yeah. a Korean movie, Korean film, not any English in it. Um, there's a couple other that are like that too, but I think it just it just lends itself to authenticity, and uh, show that he has that range where he's not just making a movie based out of L.A. but a bunch of two guys as hitmen walking around, you know. I I feel like it's not so much the fact that um, the languages were spoken, but the casting of the people. Mm-hmm. Like he made sure to get people who actually spoke really well French, really like that they spoke well, yeah, in their respective languages, accents, and they looked like they should have been, they should be in mm-hmm. that part, yeah, for sure. So one interesting thing, um, when they were advertising the movie in Germany, they had to take out all the swastikas because it's still a German law. It's like you can't promote the uh, the swastika all because one guy ruined it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the um. What was the swastika before? Uh, it's a Hindu symbol of peace. Oh, shit. And then... um, They totally <sighs> turned that one upside down. Mm-hmm. I, I forget which actor it was, but um, one of the actors, he was a German guy. Let me look it up real quick. 
Uh, oh, uh, Till Schweiger, uh, Hugo Stiglitz. Mm-hmm. So he is notorious for always turning down roles that put him in a Nazi uniform. Mm-hmm. He only agreed to this one because he got to kill Nazis. Really? So th- this will be the only movie you will ever see, ever see with a swastika on that man's arm. But it's only because he was undercover and got to kill the Nazis. Is he a pretty famous um, German actor? I think he is. Let me see what else he was in. Till. I'll be the sent to your Nazi balls. Yeah, he's got a long list of stuff. Okay. Mostly German. Yeah, a lot of German. Yeah. Uh, he was in Muppets Most Wanted. Oh. Good thing I don't like the Muppets. Uh, let's see if there's anything else that I know. Full disclosure, I was deathly scared of the Muppets when I was a kid. I used to go to <laughs> Hollywood Studios in Florida, and they have a Muppet mm-hmm. ride there. And I would just go across the street, Pizza Planet, hang out in there for a while. Everybody went on that mm-hmm. ride. Just gotta I uh, like them. Just, not for me. Yeah, kind of weird. Uh, he was in Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. No shit. <laughs> yep. He was one of the German hookers. Uh, and then, yeah, a bunch of other German stuff. But he was in a lot of things. He's got his uh, German star on the Walk of Fame in Germany and Berlin. Oh, really? So, so he's big. He's big time. Intriguing. That is pretty big. Um, oh, I, uh, another funny one that I saw about uh, about Donnie Donowitz. Um, he said the way that he got into the zone, um, his, it was like his wife or his girlfriend at the time, um, put Hannah Montana onto his iPod. Oh, yeah. So it was like whenever he was trying to get in the zone, it would always just turn to a Hannah Montana song and it would piss him off. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, whenever he's swinging that, the bat around, I was like, fuck you, Hannah Montana. That's funny. Um, Melanie Laurent has been, she's been around for a while. She's, you know, French mm-hmm. actress. She was, uh, she was the FBI agent, the other FBI agent, and now you yeah. see me. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Biggest opportunity for a, a sequel that they've ever had in the world. You know, they you know, they called this Now You See Me and then Now You See Me Too. They should have called I, it Now You Don't. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Fucking yeah, that honestly stupid, is poor marketing. Stupid holiday, Hollywood idiots. Should have had that one. That's a no-brainer. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you don't see them, then it doesn't have to be. I mean, come on. Now you see me too. Not even mm-hmm. T-O-O, just two. Come on. Weak. Uh, all right, here's another little interesting fact. Um, before the show, when uh, Aldo and uh, the, the French actress, when they're at the kind of like meeting area and he first meets uh, the Jew hunter, he was like, my name's Enzo Girolami. <laughs> which is the uh, the real name of the director of the first Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So that's like a little homage to it. Gorlami. Gorlami. 
<laughs> Gorlami. <laughs> kind of sounds like salami. I love that scene. Uh, you know, they're walking away. They're saying, you know, they have their Italian accent saying, Riverdarci, Riverdarci. And then mm-hmm. Brad Pitt waits like 30 seconds and he's like, Riverdarci. <laughs> Riverdarci. Uh, another, oh, another part where Hans Landa is going, going crazy and just further cementing his, his a legacy is mm-hmm. when he just maniacally laughs at her expense when he, when she comes up and says it was a mountain climbing accident. Oh yeah, I mean, he knows that it's her, but it's just he just can't hold in his laughter about how bad that lie is. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like this ditzy, pretty German actress, and even she said, "I like to smoke, drink, and order things in restaurants." Mm-hmm. So, I feel like they, I feel like if she just came forward and said, "I got shot last night in this fucking crazy bar," um, I feel like it would have gone a long way. I don't know. What do you think? If he, if she said, "Oh, I was just in this bar last night celebrating with a bunch of young, young people or whatever," and these American soldiers came in and shot him up, and I got shot in the crossfire. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it would just bring too much, just like questions for it. Like, oh well, why were you there? Right. Like, why was a big time actress in such a small town bar? That's fair. That's fair. Maybe. Maybe it was a cousin or a brother or something that was there. Um, I wouldn't even say American soldiers. I would say French soldiers or British soldiers because then it wouldn't come back to the guys that we, she was with. You know, they yeah. were obviously fake Italians, but they were definitely American accents too. So harder to hide. I don't know. I feel like they had to be German just for the fact that they were in Nazi-controlled France. It's like. Why? Why would there be casual British people who are actively opposing us? That's fair. It's like if they saw a British soldier in there, there's no way they would stay sane. There's no way they would keep playing games. Right, 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 right. Um, that game is still popular today. It's so funny. Oh yeah. Heads up, right? Yeah. Thanks, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Dude, like it really I, sucks that that's her app. Yeah, it does suck. Um, I don't know why. It just it just made me cringe when he licked the back of the card. Uh, yep. I don't like if I have to send an envelope. I I lick my finger and I <laughs> slide it across. Are you one of those people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, at least you're not the one that has like the little wet, almost like bingo pen that just wipes it across. Oh, that's that's for old ladies that send their cards to everybody. And people with absurdly high centers of gravity. <laughs> That's probably how High Mandel does it, you know. Um, <laughs> that cue ball. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wonder how they did the whole the scene where well, it's obviously a dummy. Well, I think all of the all of them are dummies when you shoot them. Oh, but like the Hitler, the Hitler body when it's on the ground getting just shot to bits like Swiss mm-hmm. cheese. I mean, there are just pieces flying off of them, and you're just seeing holes go through them. Well, a lot of it is um, they wear like a little vest that has almost little explosions on it. Yeah, to kind of imitate the impact of the bullet going in you. Right. 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 
And then at the but end, yeah, you can see leave the... it to Tarantino for the gore. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is before I. You know, you still have like the explosive blood coming out of them. Mm-hmm. But once he gets to Django, then you're in a whole different world of explosion, uh, explosive spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cursing too. That hateful eight. There's a lot of spaghetti flying all over the place. Um. If only it was actually spaghetti, that'd be hilarious. I know, right? And then you just have like one guy that's a cannibal go down and. Mm-hmm. Eat it. Hello, Clarice. Dwight. <laughs> all right. So, where do you think uh, Dwight's uncle Mannheim would be in all this? Oh. Um. You know. <laughs> He'd be the assistant to the to the Jew hunter. Yeah, and then he would get to the cow farm and then retire and work for the the cow farm or something like that. <laughs> Growing beets in the farm. Oh yeah, we just moved down to Argentina and <laughs> just started growing beets. Um, cause you know it beats killing Jews. <laughs> See, I am reformed. I will still stand by that being my favorite joke in the office. Oh, I wanted to go visit my Uncle Mannheim down in Argentina, but my visa was protested by the Showa Foundation. What's the Showa? That, it's like the um, the Birthright Trip Foundation. Wait, I'll actually tell you. Is that Showa. is that um, where like the Jewish kids will go to to Israel? Yeah. Israel? Why is it so hard to find information on the Shoah Foundation? A nonprofit organization dedicated to making audiovisual interviews with survivors and witnesses of the Holocaust and other genocides. Oh. Oh, shit. Well, I could see why they would protest his visa to go to Argentina. Interesting. That is a good joke. I didn't even put that together. Um, budget seventy million. Opening U.S. weekend thirty-eight million. So they already made half their money back on the first weekend, just in the U.S. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, grossed one hundred twenty million U.S. three hundred twenty million worldwide. So I wonder what it was like to go see it in Germany. You know, they probably had to have like so many disclaimers. Like this movie is not. Glorifying. This is an educational movie. I wonder if they had to, like, keep the doors open. <laughs> <laughs> so that nobody felt like they were being trapped. Honestly, though. Because that's how we feel going to the movies now after the Aurora shooting. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost yeah. like, it's like fish in a barrel. Literally so, is. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if that you're right. Disclaimers all over the place saying this is not true. This is alternate history. You know, there's no problems anymore. We're not going to have, we're not going to lock the, the door. Bear, <laughs> the bear Jew did not exist. He will not come after you. Yeah. yeah. He can't haunt you anymore. <laughs> you won't have someone swinging a baseball bat and swing or uh, screaming Joe DiMaggio at you. Oh, wait, I'm reading about. Oh, wait, here we go. In the German version, the French dialogues referring to English language have been redubbed, and the scene where Private Butts, the translations from German and English, vice versa, redubbed. Well, then, weekly. Oh, wait, I thought that was going to tell me. 
Never mind. I thought it was telling me alternate versions, like they adjusted it mm-hmm. for when they, because they do that in China, <laughs> like they take out all the gay scenes <clears throat> for stuff when it gets to China. Well, I mean that that's China though. Right. Can Can you believe they limit the amount of video games someone under eighteen can play? That's ridiculous. It's hilarious, honestly. They have a facial recognition to make sure that no one's abusing it. Really? Oh, yeah. How do they have facial recognition for, like, PS4? Uh, Probably just, like, a standalone thing. Like a USB-type, John. That's crazy. And you have to have it to play the game? Yep. Dog. Yep. That's whack. Good old US of A ain't looking too bad. So I was just looking. Ennio Morricone actually did a lot of the soundtrack, not all okay. of it, but like some things. Mm-hmm. I think I think he didn't write it for the movie, but he had them prior. Um, but other than that, there's just a bunch of different names on here. Um, I can honestly see for a movie like this though, just trying to find random songs rather than make an actual score. Right. I just saw that the the guy from Daft Punk has a writing credit on the Cat People song, which is the David Bowie song. Interesting. So when you listen to it, you definitely can feel that kind of synth wave um, Daft Punk coming through. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that that was a very David Bowie sounded too. Yeah. Oh, sure. Fishnism. I mean, especially for kind of like that montage effect. Definitely oh, good yeah. montage music. Oh, yeah. For sure. But, uh... Anything yeah, else great on, movie, uh, on your end that you want to talk about? Uh... I don't know. I feel like it, it's very fitting that Aldo made the deal with them and then still ended up carving a swastika into his forehead. Oh, for sure. Definitely very fitting. You know, it's that I can't abide. When you take that Nazi uniform off, nobody gonna know you're a Nazi. Mm-hmm. That I can't abide. I'm gonna give you something you can't take off. That his screams are excruciating, and then he's grabbing the mo- like the moss and the grass, is pulling that mm-hmm. around. I I honestly feel like that speech right there rivals uh Samuel's in uh, Pulp Fiction whenever he's reading that Bible verse. Yeah. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man. You got it right now? You're just going to bust it all out? I don't know all of it. Ah, it's beset cool if you on, all, on all something by the in- inequities of the tyrant. And I, I don't know, fuck. And I will strike, uh, strike down thee with great vengeance and furious anger, those who oppose and destroy my brother's keeper, or something like that. And you will know my name is the law when I strike my vengeance upon thee. Yeah, we were supposed to do that movie this week, but we felt like we'd have a good amount with Inglorious Bastard itself. We and we it is it is true. We'll have to we'll, but we'll definitely a, watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah, we'll do it again. You know what we should do is maybe like a Sam Jackson episode where we do that one. Compare okay. comparison performance in that. 
um, and something else that he was super badass in, maybe like Django, Star Wars, or something. Yeah, <laughs> or just uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Yep. Yep. He's got. He's had a long career. Oh yeah. He's. St- I mean, he's not that. And just old think of the amount of franchises he's been a part of. Right. Like, if, that man's got to be swimming in royalty. I'm sure if he could be in Lord of the Rings, he would have been. Or Harry Potter. <laughs> could, you, <laughs> could you imagine Samuel L. being Frodo or fucking Dumbledore? <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> 30 motherfucking points from some Slytherin. There's too many motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking school. There won't be motherfucking snakes in this chamber of motherfucking secrets. Uh, that that would also do, be hilarious. Let's just do an episode of where we put them into different into different uh, franchises. Like we could we could <laughs> we could write, you know, like a couple minutes worth of dialogue, and then just play it back to each other. You know what I mean? Where I, you know, <laughs> he's in. He's in Lord of the Rings, and then, you know, he's hanging out with Jon Snow. Gandalf strikes his staff on the bridge and screams, You shall not pass, motherfucker! (laughs) Oh, Sam. Sam Jackson. You've saved me and got me to the ring. (laughs) Nice try, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he's uh, he's, yeah. You can you can put him in anything. That would honestly be hilarious. Imagine him, uh, in the Sound of Music. Oh my God. Who's what character? Oh uh, fucking um, Julie Andrews, of course. Oh, he comes in as the nanny. Yeah. Fucking. These bitch, are bitch, a few I... of my favorite things, motherfucker. <laughs> Bitch, I'm not gonna blow no whistle. Mother Superior, what is it, you cunt face? <laughs> huh. Um, that's that's also a good movie, um, for historical. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Christoph Waltz's character is actually from Austria, right? He says he's from Austria. Mm-hmm. What if he was? Um. Oh, what if he was the guy going after underage girls? No, the father. What? Wait, what? The father. Oh no. Well, he. Yeah. Okay. Technically. In the, in the movie, he's going on seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that guy. No, no, no. I'm talking about the father. The father. Oh. Yeah, that guy was weird. I didn't like that guy. Yeah. The father. Around the cradle. The father. He was forty-seven at the time, and she was. Damn, 20. he had a lot of kids. She was twenty-two. Good for him. Yeah. So. That, that's some real Matthew McConaughey shit right there. Yeah. I get older and they stay the same age. What the hell is his name? Um, oh, Georg. <laughs> Georg. It's 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 spelled G-E-O-R-G, but it's Georg Von Trapp. I was going to say it's Von something. Von Trapp, yeah. What if he was the, what if he was like the Landa and he was taken from his family and so... The only way that he was able to get back to his family was by doing his job excruciatingly well. And yeah. so all he cared about was doing his job well and getting back to his seven children. In real life, it was ten children. 
I, I imagine that was probably very, very, very similar to probably three quarters of the majority of Nazis' yeah. experiences. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm just doing this so my family survives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they would have threatened them. Um, what, but what actually happened to Von Trapp was they got through Italy right before the, um, yeah. the borders closed in Austria. Mm-hmm. Because it was the, it was, you know, the German occupation of, of Austria and they closed the borders to Switzerland, which is they were, where they were trying to go. But they ended up going to Italy. Then they came to America and sang their little hearts out. Um, so long, farewell, <laughs> adidas, and goodbye. Adieu, adieu. <laughs> okay, now, try this one out for size. Sisterhood of the Traveling Motherfucking Pants. <laughs> <laughs> He's just one of the girls that somehow fits in this magical pair of pants. That's so funny. That's so Man, funny. this makes my ass look good. That's great. Um, Samuel, why is there blood on here? Mind your motherfucking business. Too much snakes on this damn plane. Too many snakes in these pants. <laughs> oh, there's a snake in his pants, all right. <laughs> there's a snake in my boot. Well, what do we want to do next week? Sam Jackson look. Sam Jackson ad libs. <laughs> well. We could uh, just do Pulp Fiction and then just continue on with the Sam Jackson. Maybe get some John Travolta in there. Yeah, yeah. Or we could, yeah, we could do like a Tarantino kick. I think the next week we should start getting into Harry Potter, or we can get it. We could start getting into Star Wars or something. Because I feel like it'd be nice to always have like a, a little or try to going try on. to always have like alternating episodes where it's like one we're doing something new, and the other mm-hmm. one we're going to the next movie. So it's like let's let's definitely do Harry Potter. Okay, yeah, because that's something we both know for sure. Fishnizzle. All right, word. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do some. And actually, we, we could end it end that with watching the Fantastic Beasts because I've never seen any of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, the new one, the new I'd one be down. just came out. Mm-hmm. With Dumbledore as a young man. All right, and the Harry Potter books. I'm very very into them. Yes, so. I've, I've read them, but when I was a kid, so you'll have to... Oh, I'll, I'll definitely get those book-to-movie differences. Don't you worry. I do believe that in one of the books that Hagrid had a very intense conversation with Harry, saying, You are a wizard, you specky goon. <laughs> but they didn't get that into the movies, so they made a YouTube out of it. <laughs> yeah, and then they couldn't afford to have the actors either, so it's just some shitty video game. Yeah. I'll pump you silly. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? <laughs> yeah, and they couldn't You'll get, get the- an owl. It'll deliver your shite email. Deal with it, you twat. I'm going to pop my dick in the owl. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, R-rated version that J.K. Rowling wanted to write, but she yeah. figured that it probably would have been accepted better by kids, so keeping a PG rating would have been... <laughs> this is the Quentin Tarantino version. <laughs> Harry, you motherfucker! You are a wizard! Fuck you, Hagrid! I'll pop your cap in your ass! Fucking blimey. <laughs> Could you imagine if Harry Potter, but everyone was from the hood? <laughs> oh my god. I'd what do you it. think the magic wand would be? Probably a 
catalytic converter. <laughs> it's just a fucking socket wrench. Yeah. Oh, the catalytic. Converter. Oh my god, I got Shaniqua pregnant. Fetus deletus. Oh my god, what's that from? I I I, I just made that up. No, you didn't. I've heard that before. Fetus deletus. That's funny. Was it? It must have been a. It must have been a bit. It wasn't an SNL thing. I have no idea. I, I just said fetus deletus because it rhymed. It could have been SNL because they're, they're they lean left all the way, so it would have been a funny like joke about oh, abortion. The, my the SNL Harry Potter one where Lindsay Lohan just got her tits out. Oh yeah, that was funny. That was pretty. Oh Hermione, you've really developed over the summer. <laughs> Is Bobby Moynihan? No, it's the fucking uh, girl. No, I. Uh, Who's the girl that says? Who's the girl that says that? No, that Harry Potter, fucking a Debbie Downer. Yeah, I forget yeah. her name. Oh, she uh, plays Harry Potter. Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch. Yeah, and then it's um, the one white dude who was on Wild and Out. Um, I, and then Big Fat Liar. He was the bully in Big Fat Liar. I don't know. <sighs> I fucking forget his name, but he played Ron. But yeah, she played or uh, Harry, and she was like, oh. You've really developed. It's just a bunch of puberty jokes. There was one where Daniel Radcliffe hosted, and uh, yep. he comes back as like a 10-year grad, and he's like, oh, i just like to come back. Welcome to the new students. And they're like, Harry, you graduated 10 years ago. And he's like, yeah, but... Oh, I'm- did you hear the story about how I defeated the basilisk? <laughs> That's oh. funny as shit. All right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll reconvene. And, so, yeah. Uh, okay. We'll do... Uh, Pulp Fiction next week. Just get that Samuel L. And then we'll start Harry Potter. Splendid. Let's do it. Splendid, Taggart. Splendid. Sounds good. We'll catch y'all on the flippity flip. See y'all, ladies and germs. Catch you on the next episode. Peace.